Welcome to The Film 15. I'm your host, Connor Hibbard. Each episode, I'll be joined by cinephiles to discover a film they're passionate about in hopes of answering the question, why do we like the movies that we like? After a 2020 filled with delays and cancellations, there's hope that summer of 2021 will bring us plenty of big-ticket films to watch at our favorite local theater. And while summer blockbusters are not often known for their analytical depth, they have produced some of the most iconic films of all time. Alien, The Dark Knight, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and even Star Wars all fit the bill, pairing mainstream popularity with critical acclaim. But what started this trend? What made May through August premiere moviegoing season? Summer blockbusters as we know them today might not have been possible without the innovation and financial success of their forefather. This is film number two, Jaws. If you consider your love of movies to trump everyone else's, then you probably haven't met this week's guest, Andrew Gifford. Andrew is a cinephile for the ages, documenting his love for movies and all forms of entertainment media on various popular social media accounts and fan pages. He's also previously been a contributor at FandomWire.com and on the Two Dudes, One Double Feature podcast. Andrew, how are you doing today? Thanks, Connor, for having me today. Well, thank you for coming on the show. And uh, today, for the second episode of The Film 15, Andrew has nominated Jaws, the classic 1975 film directed by Steven Spielberg and distributed by Universal Pictures. The film follows police chief Martin Brody, who teams up with a grizzled ship captain and cynical shark expert to catch and kill a great white as it ravages the resort town of Amity Island. Because of its June 20th release date, wide distribution and incredible popularity, Jaws is often considered the first summer blockbuster. So Andrew, I'll start with my my regular opener is why do you like this film? You know, I'm a big lover of like the horror genre and thriller, thrillers. And, you know, the thing in Jaws is nothing is scarier than the water. If you, if you think about it, like when you're in the water, like what's under the water, <laughs> that is pretty creepy. But then, you know, for some context into Jaws's production, you know, in like 1975, Jaws was released and like over 67 million people went and saw it, mm-hmm. made it the first blockbuster two years before Star Wars. And the production was so troubled. Like there was so many issues that happened like with the, with the shark, with the mechanical shark mm-hmm. named Bruce after Spielberg's lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, and then, you know, there'd just be problems with like on set between like Richard Dreyfus and Robert Shaw you know, as, as Hooper and Quint, like there was tension there. So, you know, but, but the tension there really like enhanced like everything between those two characters. But, you know, so, so much went wrong with that production, I think that it's miraculous that Spielberg delivered such like a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's so interesting because I rewatched the film uh, last night. Mm-hmm. I was reading up on it uh, last night and before we're recording today. And there were so many problems with the shark itself because they were filming mostly on location in Martha's Vineyard. Um, So they filmed a lot of it like actually on the ocean. There were so many problems with the shark that Spielberg opted to not see the shark that much. And this is where we get this ominous score from John Williams. And it's a lot of suggestion. You don't see the shark until Brody is throwing the chum into the water and then it pops up in the, you know, the famous you're going to need a bigger boat scene. It's right. you mentioned your your love of horror and 
you know, you said what is beneath the water. That's what Jaws does so well, I think, is it doesn't explicitly show you what's beneath the water for, you know, hour 15 into the movie. Because, like, they were having so many, like, malfunctions with it and stuff. Spielberg was like, all right, I hate this thing. I'm just not going to show it. And so instead they would like find creative ways to like show that the shark was there. Like they'd show objects like moving or, you know, like just shots under the water showing like the people. And like something I really like is just how um, Spielberg, you know, worked within the confines of like the situations, like the hands he was dealt, you know? I think that, you know, obviously today Spielberg is one of the most co commercially successful directors. Back in 1975, it's like he didn't do, Jaws is what, like, was his breakthrough. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it catapulted him to, to success. And so it was before Indiana Jones and, you know, E.T. And, and Jaws, I think, really showed, like, all the promise and, like, all the potential Spielberg had. And I think it's just really, like, genius I think how much of a genius Spielberg is, is kind of understated really, because mm -hmm. in the hands of another director, I think Jaws would have turned out to be pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting is in Jaws, you get all of what Spielberg would come to be known for. Big budget stuff, um, cool special effects with good stories behind them. And I, I, I agree. I think Spielberg's filmmaking genius is a little understated because he makes so many films like E.T., like uh, War of the Worlds, I think he made that one, or Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which are all, well, maybe not War of the Worlds, but some of his more famous big budget stuff is just so such great filmmaking. But people tend to overlook the genius because they're big tentpole movies. I, I wasn't really expecting any like great cinematography or incredible visuals, or I just expected kind of a, a standard uh, monster movie, which of course it's Jaws, it's elevated, but Bill Butler's cinematography here, there's some really cool shots in this movie. One of my favorite shots in like movie history is when everyone's being told to get out of the water and it like zooms in on mm -hmm. face. You know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. It's that iconic shot. Yeah, it's a it's called a dolly zoom where they like zoom in on his face, but then the background they zoom out and it just like creates this crazy like it's just so crazy looking and it just kind of sums up the intensity, I think. And, uh, you know, of course, then there's also the the shot of when he's like, oh, we're uh, we're going to need a bigger boat. And then like, <laughs> you know, the shark pops up behind him. There's really no mistakes here from top to bottom, which is remarkable for production as plagued with uh with terrible mishaps as uh as jaws was one of my favorite parts of the movie is the uh uss indianapolis speech mm -hmm. yeah in my opinion one of the best monologues in, in movie history um but what's funny is that so they filmed it the day before the take they used in the movie and robert shaw was like really drunk yeah, he was drunk when they did it first, and he was like, really, just it didn't work. <laughs> and so he apologized, like, hey, like, we can do that again, right? <laughs> so they, they went and redid it, and that's the scene we got today. And I think it's one of the best, uh, you know, scenes, one of my favorite scenes in, in movie history. You just look at Jaws' surface, 
ironically. But you look at, at it on the surface level and you're like, oh, it's about a man-eating shark and they got to go kill it and it's an adventure horror movie. Mm-hmm. But the characters are really good. I mean, Robert Shaw's Quint is iconic in so many ways and is uh, we get so much of his incredible character in that USS Indianapolis speech. There's so much subtext. I think Roy Schneider and Richard Dreyfuss are great in this movie, but oh, yeah. th- there's a lot of good story subtext to this movie that people might overlook if they're just looking for, you know, a shark movie. What I kind of look at it like is if you're like a kid watching Jaws, right? Like you're watching it for the shark because you want to watch these guys go out and fight the shark, right? Mm -hmm. But like when you're older, you watch it. And then it's kind of the story of like these three guys going out to face their fears in a way. Like Roy Roy Scheider does such a great job, I think, of playing like kind of this everyman sort of Mm -hmm. character. Like that, that's the thing is like I want to root for him and I like care about his family. Like I don't want his family to get eaten by the shark. <laughs> yeah, and then you know like uh, Richard Dreyfus as Hooper. Like I think he's just funny. <laughs> yeah, it, it's they're three completely different characters and it melds well because you know opposites attract. You've got the everyman, the hero of the film, Roy Schneider, uh, who I innocuously called Schneider earlier. So excuse me. <laughs> Um, and then you got Richard Dreyfus as sort of the comic relief but oh my god his face through those goggles when he's in the shark cage is like the most terrifying part of the movie you see the the palpable fear in his eyes and then on the other hand you have Robert Shaw who you think is afraid of nothing and is putting his life on the line and is very cavalier about everything and then of course his death is uh incredibly disturbing i i mean the the conflict between man and nature is is central here obviously this is you know maybe the best ever man versus nature movie i mean by the end they are they've won when they when they kill the shark of course but they're completely decimated the ship is is drowned they're covered in water and shark blood I'm discovering a lot through this conversation that I just didn't think about when I'm watching the movie. It's remarkable what what Spielberg does to make you so wrapped up in this world and in this conflict with the shark. And then you go back and you rewatch it two, three, four, five times, and you just get something new out of it every time. Jaws is a movie that never stops giving you things to think about, which is remarkable from, you know, a summer blockbuster, sort of a tag that we see is like a quote-unquote mindless genre like you have the Godzilla versus Kongs of the world you have the Mortal Kombats of the world like it's just a fun movie that you can go and watch um but Jaws feels like it has something to say I mean at its core it's a monster movie it's no the lighthouse for listeners of my last episode but it feels like it's trying to say something at least in some parts and deliver a wholly entertaining product which is something we don't get a lot of today well, you know, Jaws, when it came out in 1975, like, yeah, it, it is definitely a monster movie at its core. But, you know, now today, like, you know, this, the the sort of formula for the summer blockbuster movie has been sort of established, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, people know, like, what you need to, to have in order to have a successful blockbuster. But, you know, Jaws came out two years before even Star Wars did. Mm-hmm. So that's true kind of remarkable how just how well uh jaws holds up considering like 
at the time there was no sort of like like structure necessarily to follow to deliver a movie that exciting with characters you like you know an action that's really fun so i agree with you it's it's definitely the i think the best uh monster movie i wonder i mean what do you think it would be like to watch that in the 1975 context with in a in a theater full of people absolutely terrified at this kind of movie for the first time that would have had to been insane oh yeah i mean you can read up online like after jaws was released like people were too afraid to go to the beach you know Mm -hmm. like it had an effect it was a huge hit when it came out i mean i still watch jaws and i don't want to go out into the water (laughs) you know (laughs) so it you know back then I'm, i'm sure like you know, with Star Wars, for instance, you hear about how there were audiences lined up, you know, outside the theaters trying to get in. I'm sure it had a similar, like, pop culture impact like that, you know? Yeah. Well, like I mentioned in my in my introduction to the film, uh, Universal released this on over 450 screens, which was exceptionally wide for a motion picture at that time. Uh, an extensive marketing campaign, heavy emphasis on television spots and tie-in merchandise. So, it was the prototype summer blockbuster. They went. They put a lot of money behind this movie, which is remarkable for a movie that uh, that went over schedule and over budget. Well, Andrew, this was an enlightening conversation on Jaws. I love this movie so much, um, as our listeners have have gathered. I'm glad you do too. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Connor. Jaws is available on HBO Max, Amazon, and Hulu with premium subscriptions and a variety of video on demand services. For this episode's recommendation, I won't suggest another shark film, as none of them will ever come close to matching Jaws' monstrous heights. However, another Spielberg monster movie comes close to living up to Jaws' fierce name, Jurassic Park. The film's pioneering use of digital surround sound and innovative CGI told a unique, equally as frightening tale about genetically resurrected dinosaurs living in a massive theme park and wreaking havoc on a paleontological family when, inevitably, something goes wrong. Released in June of 1993, Jurassic Park is a summer blockbuster just like Jaws, though it does take its time to ask serious questions about capitalism, technology, and centrally, humans playing God. While perhaps not the most pensive of Spielberg's films, Jurassic Park manages to balance important thematic questions with genuine thrills, technological achievements, and iconic characters, making it one of the finest summer blockbusters of all time. It is currently available on a variety of video-on-demand services. That's all for this week's episode of The Film 15. For more film reviews and discussion, you can follow me on Instagram at ConnorTalksAboutFilms. I'll be back next week with film number three. See you soon.